Hello, and welcome to the Alt Left. Welcome back, everybody, to episode 43 of the Alt Left. I'm your host, Chris. With me, as always, is Matthew Jumbo Johnson. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. And fresh from his newest miracle is the Reverend Dr. K. Good evening, everyone. I will be uh, nominating people very shortly for their sainthood as well. Yes, uh, <laughs> I hear you've been out curing penguin lupus in uh, Utah. Yes, yes. It's a big um, issue, man. The, the penguins definitely need to be uh, to be saved. And Absolutely. the mainstream media conveniently doesn't ever talk about it. But the Reverend Dr. K is here to help them through the holy sanctimonious light. I am on the case, and uh, I will be sure to not use the same needles on multiple people. Et nomine Padre et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Science. Okay, so. Ramen. <laughs> we are covering the Listener's Choice episode today of talking about uh, Gandhi and Mother Teresa. People who are just, you know, people who have a similar rap as people like, I don't know, George Washington and Susan B. Anthony. They tend to be held up as heroes, and it turns out they're just racist, awful tools. And much like those two awful human beings, Gandhi and Mother Teresa tend to come up in hot debate of people either glorifying them or vilifying them. And the glorifying people really will never address the things these people did. And so we're going to take a nice deep dive and see who they actually were and, and, and talk about them for more than 30 seconds. Uh, so the first one we're going to do after a vigorous, holy, miraculous game of rock, paper, scissors was Gandhi, which is the only way to settle religious arguments. I lost. Uh, and, and Gandhi is best known as he, the Indians consider him the father of India. Uh, he's definitely the 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 biggest I don't know piece political or celebrity. To, oh no, there's bigger pieces of shit than Gandhi in India. Yeah, he's 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 the biggest name, the biggest face in, in all of India. And again, he's called the father of India. He definitely led uh, what was the populist uh, independence movement from Great Britain. And he's kind of seen as this hero of nonviolence. And Martin Luther King obsessed about Gandhi and 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 wanted to emulate his nonviolence. And we all know how I feel about that. But that's what he's famous for. Gandhi is famous for. Not eating a lot and not smacking anyone around. And I, I'd argue Dr. King did way better on the nonviolent stuff than Gandhi did. Uh, in terms, I mean, in terms of his protest, sure. Uh, I guess I'll give you that. I mean, Gandhi himself wasn't hands on violent. He definitely had no problem c giving people death and misery, though. So I guess you got a point there. Uh, in fact, I, I, I didn't get a chance to dive too deep into it. I do believe there were instances of him having all of his underage harem girls beating his wife. Isn't that what happened? More, I've heard of that. I've also read of incidents where he purportedly, during his uh, South African apartheid years, yes, folks, he was in there. Uh, he actually had small armies that he was raising to go fight against uh, the Black Zulu tribes. Nice. And were these children armies? Uh, no, no, that, no, 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 no. Adults no. he used to fight. Children were for sex. Yeah. Well, I, I, I you know, because there are children freedom fighters. They they give him AKs and tell him, go run out there and shoot. Yeah, it's, that's more of a warlord thing. That wasn't Gandhi's bag. He was more now, about uh, yeah. rubbing his wiener on him. And again, th th it, it's this is when he was much younger. I'm not going to try and paint yeah. this as it was going on the same time as his later years, which he is much more known for. Yeah. But yeah, in his youth, he was absolutely, there are conflicting reports. Let me, let me clarify that. This isn't established. There are a lot of 
arguments going on back and forth. But there are several people that are citing sources that claim to back this up. So Okay, so what a lot of people don't know is that, yes, Gandhi spent his early career as a lawyer in South Africa yep. uh, when he was young. He was there from, if you look at pictures of him, he looks like just a young kid out of college. That's basically what he was. Uh, he was there from 1893 to 1914. Um, and while he was there, he fought for Indian rights. But, you know, again, much like the racist Susan B. Anthony, he didn't give two shits about black people. In fact, actually despised them, kind of like Susan B. Anthony. Um so Gandhi believed that state power should actually remain in white hands. He was not advocating for Indian supremacy. He wanted Indians to have a nice second place. He wanted it to be white people, then Indians, and then black people. Uh, in fact, he was constantly referred to black Africans as Kafirs. Uh, and that's a, a derogatory term. It's basically term, the South yeah. African N-word. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. And, so, and if we have any listeners in South Africa, I'm very sorry for saying the K-word. But uh, I don't think we do, so I think it's pretty safe. I don't think I'm going to offend anyone. But what I have is I found there was three separate incidences which aren't conflicted sources. They're actually written documents by Gandhi. And the three I, I have here, in 1893, Gandhi wrote to the um, uh, Natal Parliament saying, and this is his quote, that a general belief seems to prevail in the colony that the Indians are a little better, if at all, than savages or the natives of Africa. And then in a few years later, 1903, Gandhi basically wrote that white people should be, and this is the quote, the predominating race. And he also listed black people as troublesome, very dirty, and that they live like animals. And then one year later, in 1904, he wrote to a health officer in Johannesburg uh, that the council, quote, must withdraw Kaffirs from an unsanitary slum called the Cooley location, where a large number of Africans lived alongside Indians. About the mixing of the Kaffirs with the Indians, I must confess, I feel most strongly. And that same year, he, again, sorry, one more. That same year, he also wrote that, unlike the African, the Indian had no war dances, does not drink kaffir beer. When Durban was hit by a plague in 05, Gandhi then wrote that the problem would persist as long as Indians and Africans were being herded together indiscriminately in the hospital. I got two more to add to that. Yeah, please do. But yeah, th yeah, this is painting a picture. So go ahead, Matt. What else you got? Yeah. So in 1896, this is a statement. This is a direct quote. Ours is one continued struggle against the degradation sought to be inflicted upon us by the European who desire to degrade, degrade us to the level of the raw Kaffir whose occupation is hunting and whose sole ambition is to collect a certain number of cattle to buy a wife and then pass his life in indolence and nakedness. So again, that's not nearly as, as bombastic as the thing as what Chris was saying, but clearly he's he's using the again the South African equivalent of the cape of the N bomb. I, I would say it's less crude, but I would say it's just as bad because what he's basically oh. saying is that the worst thing that white people are doing to us is lumping us in with black people. One more for you guys, because this is this is the best one. As I say this, I want you guys to imagine that a white guy is saying this. Okay, we I'll believe just remember the Ben Kingsley played him. Yeah, we believe as much in the purity of race as we think they do. Only we believe that they would best serve these interests, which are as dear to us as to them by advocating the purity of all races and not one alone, which on its surface, some people can be like, oh, he thinks all races should be pure. But really, it's just a bunch of racist bullshit. It's yeah, really that, all it is. That's not what that that's not what he's saying there at all. And, and I hate to say yeah. it to just the statement alone, all races should be pure, pure yeah. is a problem. Yeah. yeah. Basically we, don't mix races because you know, I I don't want my Indian blood sullied by 
by those yeah. other people. We're simply used to hearing it in German, but that kind of talk happens <laughs> right? quite a bit. And uh, Gandhi was uh, Gandhi had a lot in common yeah. uh, with the with the views of the Third Reich in terms of racial purity. And in case our listeners can't figure it out yet. You're not going to get a bunch of us sucking the dicks of Gandhi and Mother Teresa. No, 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 no. They were awful monsters, and you're about to find out why. Yep. And the thing is, is that's how he was the entire time. Gandhi simply cared about Indian independence, and he wasn't even that successful at it. The British were already having trouble at it. India was already moving through an independence movement. Like, had Gandhi never existed, India would have still achieved its independence movement. Well, and that's that's the interesting thing, too, that you got to keep in mind, because I think the main argument you're going to hear from people that are going to be listening to this that don't agree with us is like, well, what about all the uh, all the good he did? What, what about all the nice what things good? Gandhi did? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, what, what exactly did he do? Uh, he starved himself in the name of peace. And his granddaughter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he had a bunch of one-liners that people often quote. Great actions matter more than words, and his actions were pretty fucking awful. Yeah, a- absolutely. And I mean, even in like in his personal, like one of my favorite. Uh, before we move on to his most atrocious things, it was him dealing with his wife. So obviously, we talked earlier. There were lots of reports of him and his child concubines beating his wife constantly but what we do know as medical fact is is how gandhi's wife died so she got pneumonia and british doctors while he's in the middle of giving them the finger all the time told gandhi that a shot of penicillin would heal her they were trying to help even even the enemy of the british you know mahatma gandhi was still being offered aid to help his wife who just needed antibiotics all she needed it's not like she had some horrible disease no she had pneumonia and just needed antibiotics and he refused uh saying it was alien medicine um that he would not have alien medicine injected to her body and so she died of pneumonia like old people do when you don't give them antibiotics yeah now ironically shortly after that gandhi got malaria and we do know there's a treatment for malaria because we live in the Trump era. So you've actually probably heard of quinine, which does not cure COVID. Stop taking medication that you're not intended for, you dumb, dumb fucking people. <laughs> but, but when Gandhi got malaria, he had no problem taking that alien medicine. Took a nice big dose of quinine and did just fine. Uh, he also allowed British doctors, not Indian ones, he let British doctors do an appendectomy on him as well. So Gandhi had yeah. no problem with alien medicine if it was for him, yeah. uh, but it was a political issue if it was his wife. Now, here's here's the big one. So we know that Gandhi was super into fasting, and what, what we don't talk about a lot in the U.S., it's very much known in India, uh, but he was also obsessed. He was obsessed with three things, not eating, really liked enemas. He was and obsessed chastity, with, right? Yes, he was obsessed with giving and receiving enemas and was super into being chast, right? Or at least pretending he was. And, and this is when he was really old. It was when he was in his late 70s, in his last few years. Uh, he always would sleep naked with his grandniece and other girls who were underage um, when they were in their teens. And he said he it was all a, a test of his willpower to abstain from sex. Again, and it wasn't just her. He had a he had a well reported habit of sleeping with naked teen girls as a sex experiment in chastity. 
and then again with his this molded with his obsession with enemas and it was well documented that he would give all the girls enemas and they would give them to him and they'd have to give him naked massages every day and then he'd have to sleep cuddled in their arms naked every night and it, it was all to prove how chast he was yeah sounds uh sounds real normal yeah, yeah. And, and i'm that, sure that sounds like what a what a stable what a stable non-sexual pious. person does yeah, right. And by the way, he referred to this often as his experiment with truth. Yes. And so that is a quote. Anybody who says they like Gandhi, I would ask if you would also be okay with a uh, man in his late 70s sleeping naked with your teenage daughter, niece, sister, whoever. Because we wouldn't. We wouldn't tolerate them anyone. Yeah. No. Yeah, imagine if Matt Gates was 40 years older. That's what this is. Yeah. But yeah, so that's, I mean, that's the long and the short of Mahatma Gandhi. You know, um, he, there's not a lot to say about him. Again, he's he's constantly championed for nonviolence. Um, his his nonviolent Indian independence movie is given all the credit, but it really didn't have a lot to do with the actual situation. Uh, the British pulled out because it was financially better at the time and the empire was crumbling. That, that's really all there was to it. Um, Britain was shutting down its empire. Had had Gandhi's movement happened in the 1800s, the 1700s? No, not a single chance. The, the British in the 1700s, the British East India Company would have just literally cracked him over the head and killed him. If it had been the 1800s, he would have been thrown in jail by the British authorities, um, and and kept there, and his movement would have been toast. Like it just end of story. He would not have been allowed to prophesy like it was. But because this happened in the 20th century. Britain was dropping their empire. They were starting to go. And um, again, this is just the age of empires was ending for both Britain and France. Uh, Germany's was gone. Spain's was gone. Um, this is the era where this all this European empire building fell apart. And that's why it went. And Gandhi is given all this credit. And in fact, really, he was just a, a racist, skinny little pedophile. That's all he was. Who came in at the end, said a few nice words that made people feel good and that's kind of why, you know, history is remembered. I mean, it's like, again, I'm not going to decay. Like there's a lot of great quotes and one-liners from Gandhi about peace that get used and repeated over and over again. And I'm not going to lie. It's good shit. It's good shit. But look at the fucking source. Great. He can write Hallmark cards. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> I don't care. Like, <laughs> like it's, 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 there's not much else that you can attribute to him. And, and again, I, I can't think of anything go- Gandhi directly did. He spoke out a lot. I think in that much, he was, he was an advocate for, you know, ending the British colonies. But again, I don't know of anything that he did was that was any more significant than any other civil rights leader in history. Yeah. You know, and (laughs) Martin Luther King wasn't a, wasn't a fucking pedophile (laughs) and a racist, you know? No, he was a pretty good dude. Yeah. You got some better sources out there, people. I'm just saying, we need to, this is kind of, this is like another one of those Columbus thing, Christopher Columbus things. You know what I mean? Where it's like, especially here in the United States, we've got a whole holiday devoted to a fucking colonial mass murdering rapist terrorist, you know? And we give him credit for doing something he didn't fucking do. Vikings and were coming never. into this country for hundreds of years before he fucking even got here. Like he didn't discover shit. He found yep. a new way to get here and then just raped and pillaged his way up the fucking East Coast. Yeah, basically. I mean, yeah. we have President's Day. Yeah. We celebrate guys who own slaves. So yeah. eh, that's America. But uh, at least Gandhi, um, as much of a horrible slime ball as he said he was, at least he kind of was what he said he was. 
You know, at, at least yeah. the things he said he did were true. The bigger charlatan here is uh, uh, is is boy, do I love twisting my nipples at the screams of poor people in pain, Mother Teresa. Yeah. Now, if you want to talk <laughs> about a sadomasochistic piece of shit. Oh, no, not masochistic. Is, uh, only sadist. Sadist. Yeah, yeah. sadistic piece of she shit. She had there no go, problem having plenty of comfort and, and, yeah, and, yeah, and that's money. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> this is Thank pure you. sadism. Now, now, before we go down that road, just, just for anyone listening – uh, who are hoping we do more on Gandhi. There's not much else to tell. Like the stuff he he's he's famous for doing that people love him for, that's all well and true. Our argument is that isn't that he didn't do it. It's that it doesn't fucking matter. It, it's inconsequential. There are plenty of other people that did more and better than he ever did that weren't racist, pedophile pieces of shit. So that's why this Gandhi bit is so quick. We wanted to educate you on what people don't talk about that should be talked about about Gandhi. And it's easy enough to fit into about a 10-minute span. Now, Mother Teresa, on the other hand, we're going to wax a little poetic on this one. Waxer. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And so when it comes to Mother Teresa, she's known as this loving, sweet, healing woman. Um, who just wanted to help the poor. And unfortunately, literally, yeah, none of it's true. Dusty, you hear my room. That is a PR campaign. And that is all it is. It is an absolute fabrication. So run by the Catholic church. Yeah, absolutely run by the Catholic church. And we'll get into the reasons why they were so into her too. It wasn't just PR. There was a lot of money involved here. Mm -hmm. Um, But what she did was she literally ran squalor houses where people simply suffered and died. And Mother Teresa had no interest in healing people. She actually really was into their suffering. Um, I've got this amazing quote from her. Uh, It says, I think it is very beautiful for the poor to accept their lot, to share it with the passion of Christ. I think the world is being much helped by the suffering of the poor people. That, That gives you a clue as to where she is and where her head's at. And so what I've got, I've got this great account. There's this guy named Hemley Gonzalez, right? Uh, and he's an actual humanitarian in India. Um, he's from Florida. He's become famous for running an org called Responsible Charity. Uh, in op- and it's, in, it's run in opposition to the memory of Mother Teresa. Uh, so Responsible Charity calls Good. itself a humanist. Sorry, what? Good. Oh, <laughs> uh, so responses Charlie cars itself a humanist charity, assisting the poor in India with education, English classes, medical, nutritional assistance, family planning, micro loans, assistance in re- rebuilding living spaces and repairing vehicles and appliances and implementing sustainable lighting. So, you know, the things that actually make life better for the poor, not fetishize their pain, right? And before starting Responsible Charity, he actually volunteered at the Missionaries of Charity, which is the world-renowned organization founded by Mother Teresa. Uh, and it was to care for the so-called wretched of the earth. Uh, when, and when he saw the barbaric realities of the order, he founded the Facebook group Stop the Missionaries of Charity. It's still around uh, to expose their operations. And he did this great interview with the humanist. Um, and, and here's what he said. He said, for a period of two months in 2008, I worked as a volunteer in one of Mother Teresa's homes in the poor in Calcutta, India. I was shocked to discover the horrifically negligent manner in which this charity operates, in direct contradiction of the public's general understanding of their work. Workers washed needles under tap water and then reused them. Medicine and other vital items were stored for months on end, expiring and still applied sporadically to patients. Volunteers with literal or no training carried out dangerous work on patients with highly contagious cases of tuberculosis and other life-threatening illnesses. The individuals who operated the charity refused to accept and implement medical equipment and machinery that would have safely automated processes and saved lives. 
After further investigation and research, I realized that all the events I'd witnessed amounted to nothing more than a systematic human rights violation and a financial scam of monumental criminal proportions. Not once in its 60-year history has this organization, the Missionaries of Charity, reported the total amount of funds it's collected in donations, what percentage is used for administration, or the rest of it applied, and how. Defectors and independent journalists have placed the figure since the charity's inception upwards of $1 billion in counting. The mission is currently operating over 700 homes in over 100 countries and maintains an average of 4,000 workers while consistently failing to provide statistics to the efficacy of their work. Yeah. And that's and from just, someone who was in that, that, that's, that was done by the humanist. And it was, it was written by a guy who literally was in these camps and started an organization simply to oppose them. And many places that have done investigatory work on these pla- on these missions and actually been in there have regularly compared them to photos uh, from concentration camps during Nazi Germany. That's how yeah. dire and horrible these places are. Yeah, there was uh, in 94, the Lancet uh, made a claim that this is the Lancet. Uh, they said that medicine was scarce in her hospice centers and that patients received nothing close to what they needed to relieve their pain. Doctors took to calling her locations homes for the dying, and such a name was warranted. Mother Teresa's Calcutta home for the sick had a mortality rate of more than 40%. And then in the New York Times had a similar thing where they reported that when she was there, while she, while she was on watch, her facility was found to not follow any protocols such as quarantining tuberculosis patients, and they refused. They would not, even when they had it, they would not prescribe pain medication. According to the, according to the New York Times, Mother Teresa believed that agony brought you closer to God. Talk about uh, masochism. Oh, but I'm sure she 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 practiced what she preached, right? Like she absolutely was 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 torturing her own self over all this, wasn't she, Chris? Uh, well, in, in, unless she was having a very expensive and, and, and costly, expensive, life-saving angioplasty at the Calcutta Hospital. Sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. There, was, there was no shortage of sanitary, surgical, great minds, and pain medication from Mother Teresa. Apparently, apparently she was already close enough to God. Yeah, yeah. She, yeah she was able to, to keep herself close enough to God without it. Uh, she also hobnobbed with all kinds of celebrities. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Everyone from... Ronald Reagan to Bill Clinton, Al Gore. Yeah. Bill Clinton, Al Gore, like just terrible people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just, not just necessarily terrible people, <laughs> but, but nothing but massive amounts of rich people all the time. Mm-hmm. She would say, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to, to help my cause when she did this. And what she was really doing is hobnobbing it up because that's what she wanted to do. And then, you know, 1994, during the president, during the national prayer breakfast, you know, she goes and makes a speech about how abortion is, uh, you know, the number one threat to the world. Yeah, well, there was there was a case, a very famous rape case. Um, it was Serbian. I can't remember what it was, but it was Croatian or Serbian. And this woman had literally been raped. Um, this young girl had been raped by soldiers. And when asked, you know, about it, basically, she made this thing that said, well, the worst crime, even worse than the things that happen in war, is abortion. That tracks for a Catholic charlatan. I mean, this can go on. So we've got the views on abortions. And, and, you know, here's a couple of quotes from her. I always say one thing. If a mother can kill her own child, then what is left of the West to be destroyed? Okay. So this is, there's number one. Uh, here, here's another one that I think is fucking awful. Again, this is the one I was talking about earlier. Many people are very, very concerned with the children of India, with the children of Africa, where quite a few die of hunger and so on. She's not because plenty of children died under her care as well. Fuck that bitch. 
Many people are also concerned about the violence of this great country, speaking of the United States. Uh, these concerns are very good, but often these people are not concerned with the millions who are being killed by the deliberate decision of their own mothers. And this is what the greatest destroyer of peace today, abortion, which brings people to such blindness. You know, and these are the things she's going around the world championing while people are literally dying uh, from malpractice in her, her so-called missions of love. She was a malpractice. monster. It was like just serious neglect. neglect. Sure. Whatever you want to call it. Like for lack of deliberate. a better word, no. It was yeah. deliberate. Like they they didn't provide any you know uh, amount of care. Like there are reports of uh, children from infant all the way up to twelve years old being tied to their bunks at night or tied to the toilets and left there for twenty minutes, hours. You know who knows? Yeah. Like people saw this and reported it. And every single time, whenever these reports came out, nothing happened. You know, there was no no investigation by any uh, government body. It was ignored. Every oh, single sure time, Vatican any report. Plenty, but, you know, we've all seen the fruits of Vatican's <sighs> investigations. Yeah, the, the Vatican investigating anything, you know, is a joke. Another one is, is with the AIDS epidemic. So she routinely used it as a talking point where she could brag to people about how much she cared about people, the plight of people suffering from AIDS, but would also uh, campaign against the use of condoms and birth control that could prevent those very diseases. Why? Because yeah. it's less people that she can use and watch suffer. Which is, yeah, I mean, it really, it, 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 it can only be sadism. Yeah. 100%. It, it like, literally has to be a sadist fetish. I and mean, there's no other reason for it. It's clearly she was sick. Yeah. Amongst many things. Yeah. You know? I mean, clearly uh, there was something wrong with her uh, mentally. Uh, there's no other explanation for that kind of behavior and that kind of want for people to suffer. And she said it herself. She thought that the suffering of the people let's, was. Let's you know, read it again because this is good to get out in the world. Yeah, like yeah, I yeah. think it is very beautiful for the poor to accept their lot, to share it with the passion of Christ. I think the world is being much helped by the suffering of the poor people. Yeah, so poor people just got to be poor, man. Sorry, and, and suffer. Bring them closer to God. And suffer, yeah, yeah. Then it's going to make yeah. the world better. Now, some of you may be listening to this, but like. And thinking, well, she was given so much money and all the old money helped these. Let's talk about the money because where did it go? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so the charity that she started as Missionaries of Charity uh, was created in 1950. It was getting millions, millions annually. And as Chris mentioned, to this day, they they have never disclosed where that money went. No, she's Not actually quoted us once when people asked her where the money was going. She even once said, I don't know. God is my accountant. Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of true because the money was pr- most people who who have looked at this using the best guesstimates they can have pretty much assumed that she just funded it all into the Vatican. Hey, look, look, this was the, this was money for God. You remember, yeah. it, was, it was just just like before. It was it was all put into a big suitcase, and the Pope took it out and he threw it up into the air, and whatever God wanted, he keeps, and the rest goes to them. Exactly. Seems, that's how they do it. In fact, there's a whole place right in the Vatican where they where they just throw it up, and that's where it happens. Coincidentally, God is such a generous giver because He's never taken a dime. What can you yeah. say? Yeah. He's 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 already full from all the suffering of the poor. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a the the use of that joke in a movie. 
Uh, Short Circuit. I love that movie. That's a great movie. <laughs> I haven't seen that movie in forever. Uh, Short Circuit 2, really good. It's rare that a sequel is just as good as the original. Agreed. Short Circuit 2, I would argue, is just as good. I agree. Anyway, sorry for that uh, derailment. Except for the terrible brown face. Like, oh my god. Like, I couldn't believe it when I found out later that that guy was white. Uh, <laughs> I yeah. I couldn't believe it. He did such a good job. Yeah. I was like, why? You couldn't have found an Indian guy to play that role? No. I mean, in 1980? No. <laughs> no. no they, uh, they that's true. That's true. In 1980, Indian people didn't exist. I forgot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Little known fact, at least as far as Hollywood uh, producers were concerned, yeah, there were no brown people in 1980 unless, you know, it was uh, uh, Eddie Murphy. That, that was God, it. There was, there was some <laughs> movie, I forgot what it was. There's some, there some supposed to be a comedy. Edward James almost, not Edward James almost. Um, Darth Vader. James Earl Jones. Thank you. I thought it was one of those three names. James Earl Jones was even in this movie. And it's literally about a white kid who's trying to get into Harvard, but he can't because affirmative action is keeping him out because he's white. And so he literally does blackface (laughs) the entire movie and pretends to be black. And being black is what gets you into Harvard nowadays. And he literally goes in and has the experience of a black kid at Harvard. And towards the end, James Earl Jones figures out what he's doing and he has to come clean and he learns his lesson. Yeah. Learns that blackface is not such a good thing. No, 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 no. He's, he's oh, white. Oh, he's, I'm he's, sorry. He's forgiven. Everything's fine. He gets to keep going to I'm, Harvard. I'm sorry. I, I, I forgot. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that <laughs> uh, never happens. Don't watch Revenge of the Nerds or 16 Candles either, kids. Just don't. Just don't. You'll be very terrified. <laughs> horrified. So anyway, uh, Mother Teresa's money. Keep going, Matt. But yeah, so most of the money just got kept getting funneled into the church. And again, she stayed at some pretty swanky places. Like Kay said, she hobnobbed with a lot of famous people, a lot of rich people, a lot of dictators and despots too. Like a lot of less Mm -hmm. than, uh, uh, you know, stellar people that funnel money. And financial crooks too. Yeah, 100%. Like like Bernie Madoff type of dudes. Exactly, exactly. And none of this money went to her charities. None of it. That's part of the reason why they were so poorly kept is because they didn't have money. But it's not even just that because like the nuns that were working there, oftentimes the people that would volunteer at her facilities would end up providing better care to the people than the nuns that were stationed to work there. Yeah, and she she had a poverty fetish too because Mother Teresa, in fact, they would have her charity did have a ton of money. She yeah, she just didn't put it into the houses. Um, they even though there was plenty of food nearby, they would not purchase any food. They would only take donated food. And so, whether or not people ate was whether or not the local grocers and and food banks wanted to give her food. Um, and there's even several accounts where she would go to a store fill a cart with food that she needed for the center, stand in line, bring no money, and literally refuse to leave until someone else paid for the groceries. Even yeah, that though sounds about right. she was a millionaire. Keep in mind, millions a year. Millions, folks. Yeah. Not just she had a million dollars. She mil- Multiple millions rolled in annually. She was reported to have brought in uh, approximately $30 million alone. Uh, well, actually, just herself. <clears throat> let me shine some light on that one. So there's this really cool Italian investigative journalist uh, name. I'm going to butcher this name because it's it's so <laughs> Italian. Uh, Gianluigi Nuzzi. G-I-A-N-L-U-I. So it's Gianluigi and then N-U-Z-Z-I. Nuzzi or Nuzzi. Um, uh, wrote a book and he it's called The Original Sin. It's an investigative reporting piece. And he claims that Mother Teresa had by far the most cashed up account. 
and this is what he writes in the book, she evidently was such an important account holder that she had a secret side door at the bank of the Vatican that she could enter in. I'm shocked. Um, yeah. And Nuzzi uncovered accounting slips from a secret bank account that Mother Teresa held in her charity's name in the Vatican Bank. The tell-all concluded that Mother Teresa's cash savings were what kept the institution going. Literally, her money kept the Vatican Bank afloat. Uh, he wow. learned later that the nun, that, that Mother Teresa's net worth upon her dying exceeded $100 million. I believe wow. that. And she died in 1997, folks. So that was a fuck ton of money back then. That's a fuck ton of money now. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we, we, we're talking about billions upon billions from Bezos. Like, it, it doesn't seem as much. I agree with you. It's still. I'm just saying, can you imagine having $100 million in your checking account, but then going to the grocery store and absolutely refusing to uh, to pay for groceries because you're poor? No, because she wanted the publicity. Uh-huh. Uh, that's the most capitalist shit I've ever heard of. Right? Hey, man, the Vatican needs money. Yeah. All in the name of helping those poor wretches. Yeah. And speaking of the Vatican needing money, um, and Vatican in general. Spiritu money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> let's let's talk a little bit about what happened after she died. First of all, I'm glad she's dead. Second of all, uh, right after that, we're gonna get a little religious here, folks, because Pope John Paul, was it the second, third? Yes, Pope John Paul the second. No, the second. The second. She was nominated almost immediately after her death uh, for sainthood. Now, this is significant. And again, as most of you know, Kay and I are atheists, so you may be wondering why are we talking about uh, Catholic law? Because this is a good example of why Catholic law or religious law in general is mostly bullshit, because they just change it arbitrarily to fit whatever political needs they have at the time. In this case, they wanted to take their, their good little uh, cash cow and deify her even more and make her a saint. So the first thing they do is they buck the trend of waiting five years uh, after somebody's died to nominate them from sainthood. That That's number one. Pope John Paul decided to rush that through for his good little work mule. Um, the next thing that comes up is the next requirement in order to be approved for sainthood. Now, along with a multitude of other policy and procedures and, and nonsense we're not going to go into, you have to have two miracles officially rec performed and recognized by the church. And both of the miracles she supposedly performed happened after she died. So there's yeah, a little flaw at number one. And before you, I, I, before we talk about those miracles, something we talked about before the show that I actually want to bring up here is that a fun experiment is to look at what many ancient miracles are. Look at old school saints. Look at, you know, I mean, obviously, like, not people like St. Michael, who was an archangel, but like, look at human saints, right? And look at the miracles they performed. And it was like, oh, he fed a crowd of 300 people. And oh, he levitated 600 feet above the synagogue and pooped gold upon the coffers of the poor. And oh, he set himself ablaze and white doves flew out of his nostrils and nobody had cancer anymore. Like these are the <laughs> miracles. These are mass miracles of just fireballs and jazz music fucking happening. And everyone's like, lupus is gone. That's the kind of miracles that are happening, you know. Tell me about the amazing, blown out, huge public miracles of Mother Teresa. <laughs> so, so there's two well-known ones. Uh, oh, good. One okay. that, so there are two of them where she did things like fly and throw fireballs. No, and, not no, even, no, no, not no, even close. No, not even close. No, no. Remember, 
these were both two miracles happened after she died. She died. Yeah. Oh, so she appeared as Holy Ghost and then like flew in through a kid's cancer well, world. Well, not, not, not even hospital, that. Right? No, not no, even no. that. No, no, not no. not that dramatic. Just um, turn a lake into blood, or like no. turn, reverse a river, or no, mm. no. Oh, yeah. no. Okay, all right. No. I'm sure it's just as good though. What is it, Matt? <laughs> <laughs> So the so the first one happened in two thousand eight. Um, <clears throat> a Bengali woman uh, claimed that she had a cancerous tumor, and that this tumor was cured thanks to Mother Teresa. Now this yeah. woman has a picture of Mother Teresa at the her dead home. Dead Mother Teresa. Dead Mother Teresa. Just making yeah. sure. Okay. So, so yeah, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. So she has a picture of Mother Teresa at her home, and this woman claimed that a glowing light emanated from the picture. And cured mm-hmm. her of a terrible tumor. Now, keep in mind, her doctor uh, claimed that she never had a cancerous tumor. Uh, she had a tubercular cyst, and uh-huh. traditional medicine helped with that. And she had been receiving treatment for two years. Yeah, her uh, her husband is reported to have uh, like sold the farm, literally something like that, to pay for her treatment. She she is is quoted as saying, "I was too ill to move." But two sisters, so her like actual sisters, uh, supported me there. There was a photograph of Mother Teresa. The blinding light emanated from Mother's photo and enveloped me. I didn't know what was happening. I was too ill to sit for long and was soon brought back to my bed. That is her account of, of what happened. Now, the funny thing is the Vatican actually has hearings on these things where they have to hear from doubters and stuff. And this past muster yeah oh yeah 100 percent. by the way can i just say like how like can we just start as a hobby finding like i'm talking when i say catholic i mean hardcore like santa real loving catholics like burn them the, the the holy mother candle kind of catholics and can we start putting like lasers and leds in their in their saint pictures and just seeing what happens <laughs> i'm in let's do it <laughs> I've got, I got no, no mercy. I, we could no... even like, I mean, we could do a long con. We could even be like, tell people like, oh, I, I have, you know, gallbladder cancer and it's, it's awful. And I can walk in and Matt can hit the switch and I get blinded by a light and I'm cured. My gallbladder's gone. <laughs> and then if they doubt it, we'll have K come in later. And be like, same with me. Do an x-ray. You'll see. Well, it it was mostly a sham. Like there, the the reason it was accepted is because there was a bunch of you know Vatican paid doctors that said they analyzed her records and that that no medical science could explain the speed at which you know these tumors decreased. It was true because the Vatican was guilty of molesting a whole bunch of kids, and they really needed a fucking hero. Yeah, two two years of medical treatment means nothing. It was an absolute miracle that this this giant tumor. All of a sudden, after this light emanated from the the photograph of Mother Teresa, uh, illuminated her, enveloped to the point her, to where it, enveloped part part oh, yes. enveloped her, ah, and it good and it took away Polaroid her light. tumor. And in the she went to bed, and in the morning it was completely gone. And what's really messed up here, the, the truest crime of the Catholic Church here is not even simply that they allowed this to pass, but they actually completely pushed aside the actual miracle that happened here because there are accounts that they've completely not let in to the hearing on this one. Again, they, ha- they have hearings this one, and they, the Vatican actually refused to hear it because there actually was miraculous healing done with her, and it was done by none other than Dr. K's Quantum Massage, one of our show's sponsors on the show here. Oh, my um, gosh. And, we and, have and, a- 
uh, we have a new sponsor. Yes, not only through distance, but through time. You can be quantumly healed by the Reverend Dr. K's quantum massage. Yeah, for the low, low price of $59.99 per session, Dr. K's quantum massage will ease your tension, relax your nerves, heal your chakras, and align your spiritual energy. And while a Wi-Fi connection for a a video conference during the quantum massage is encouraged, uh, for an extra $10, Dr. K will mail you a Calcutta church portrait for you to hang up in your house so you also can be enveloped by the light of his healing quantum massage. Now, we are running a special this week. Instead of $59.99, we're going to reduce that rate to only $55.99. Hallelujah! And, and... It's a fucking miracle. And I am going to throw in the picture of Mother Teresa for free. For All you have to do people. is pay for shipping. That's Honestly, I'd rather you send me a million dollar bargain right there. $100 million. <laughs> Your own healing Mother Teresa. And this is backed by the by the Catholic Church, ladies and gentlemen. The Pope Can himself say, has signed I'm, off on this. I'm proud of us. For anybody listening, that was not rehearsed. <laughs> I just busted out with Case Quantum Massage and we went with it. I uh, I am I am impressed with you two's ability to uh, <laughs> to riff on that one. <laughs> to, to to extemporaneous riff that one. That was good. Anyway, uh, what was your second miracle, Matt? So it was similar. Uh, So the second one um, was basically another cure thing under similar circumstances. I can't find as much information on that, but it was in 2016. There is a lot less information on it. And from, from what, like a few articles have said that the person that the mirror, that claimed the miracle that was created by her hasn't really wanted to do interviews or things like that. And so we don't have enough information, which also is extremely convenient for the Catholic church. Cause mm, eight years later, only much. one more miracle. They were really, uh, they were really needing that one to hit. So, you know, after eight years, yeah. you know, somebody that claims she cured him through a picture. And, and this one time, mother, sister Teresa had a banana and instead of going Brown in three days, it took four. Yeah. Miracle. <laughs> and like we said, she died in 1997 the first miracle occurred in 1998. The next one not till 2008. And then it took them another eight years to grant her the, the posthumous title of sainthood. Yeah, once the third miracle of someone was buttering toast uh, next to a picture <laughs> of her and it fell jam side up. Uh, and that was that was what pushed it well, over no, the edge. You only, ha- you only have to have two, uh, two miracles attributed to you to achieve sainthood. Oh, kids it. these days. That's all you need. Yeah. So... I, it's just it's just ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> the the real miracle is that anybody bought this shit. <laughs> <laughs> but the um, Catholic it, Church says so, and so yeah. everyone that follows the Catholic Church dogmatically just goes, "Oh well, whatever Pope Francis the first says is fine," yep. because the these miracles have been proven to us without a doubt, and so now here's your sainthood, and. To me, it was it was just for their benefit of trying to garner respect and garner people's favor again. Let's be fair. The Roman Catholic Church is like the Fox News of Jesus. Yeah. It, it, yeah. it is just nothing but an awful, hateful propaganda machine. And that's all it is. And again, we shouldn't be surprised. We have this charlatan. And again, it's not like the Roman Catholic Church would have just loved her because of her mission. No, her mission was terrible. They literally had to polish that turd because she 
because it, it was just a perfect timing of everyone to suddenly notice that she was helping the poor and she had all this notoriety and everyone thought she was this really good person. And the Catholic Church seized on that. And then it didn't hurt that she started bringing in truckloads of money yeah, and yeah. not using it, being, oh, no, Holy Mother Church gets this money, not the poor. Yeah. And was more than happy to sign everything over to the Catholic Church Bank, uh, to the Vatican Bank. And that is why this happened. This is simply a propaganda job that made a shit. Ton of money. It's, it's a it's a fucking grift, man. That's what this is. Yeah. And it's so anyway. Yeah, no, and it's filthy disgusting. And it, which is part of the reason though, like I, I was very happy that this these two topics were picked, even though they're not necessarily the most political things out there. It's more, you know, I think social commentary. Yeah, but they're great. They are great. And and it, it these are things that most people don't know. I can't tell like I had to explain this, both of these to to my own mother. Like we can't. I I wasn't even aware. I assume I you know again we put our parents on a pedestal. I assume, I always assume my mom's much smarter than she is, or much more. I shouldn't say smarter, much more knowledgeable than she is about these things sometimes. But when I was telling her about the topic for this episode, she was like, "Oh, you're going to talk about how great Mother Teresa was," and I was like, "What? <laughs> no!" And and I started like telling her about. This. She's like, "No, this can't be true. This 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 absolutely can't be true." I'm like, "Yeah." No. And I started showing yeah. her and she was just like, she got dead quiet after a while. It was really, it was really you know, it's the, the, weird. The problem here is the, the propaganda machine yeah. that is around these people in yeah. general, uh, specifically more so with Mother Teresa. She played the propaganda machine that standing in a, in a market with a basket full of food, refusing to pay and refusing to leave until someone else paid for it was propaganda. Yeah. That's all it was. And it's hard to fight. And the internet, while the internet has made it easier to find information, it has also made it simultaneously harder because there is so much bullshit and fake shit to work, to weed through now that, you know, unless you have the, knowledge and uh, ability to, you know, critically think and, and find out what is real and what yeah. is fake, you know, it's easy to get caught up in it. And especially when you're in a social situation where it's just accepted knowledge, you know, and, and that's yeah. what these are. It's like from a social perspective, this is just what everyone knows without even knowing anything about them or what they did. Most people, if you say, you know who Mother Teresa is? Oh, yeah, she's a really cool nun that did a lot of good things for poor people. You know where Gandhi is? Oh, yeah, he really liked peace and was nonviolent, and he was an Indian dude. Like, those are the 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 cap of what everyone just anecdotally knows about them. And, you know, I didn't learn about this stuff in school. I was telling the guys, you know, before we started this, um, Gandhi I had known a little bit about in the last couple of years I'd come to learn about it. But, you know, I'm 37, so even in the last couple of years, that's a I'm far removed from school. Uh, with yeah. Mother Teresa, I learned fairly quickly because, you know, many atheists, you know, especially ones that were coming to their atheism in the early 2000s, the first place they end up, you know, gravitating is to circles that are fans of like Christopher, Hitch Christopher Hitchens and Richard Dawkins and people like that. And Hitchens was famously against Mother Teresa, wrote several books about yeah. her. And so that's how I kind of came to learn this. But you know, most people just aren't aware of this, especially if you're religious on any level, because, you know, it doesn't matter if you're Catholic or not. If you're a Christian in any any way, shape or form, you're probably going to think Mother Teresa is just the cat's meow. Yeah. Mother Teresa's fame really started 
you know, well before the internet and really kind of, I mean, she died before the internet was what we would even come close to considering. Yeah, today. the height of her fame was in the Clinton era. You know, she died in 97. Like, anybody else remember what the internet was back in 97? It was a bunch of AI aim <laughs> chat rooms and fucking Windows 98. <laughs> You know, and a and a couple of websites. You have mail. It it took you know twelve years to get one picture of boobies. Yeah, oh god, porn was so rough back then. You oh man, that? two minutes later and you got a hoot. <laughs> <laughs> you you try to load up the page and then eventually you just give up and go rummaging, rummaging around in your dad's closet. <laughs> so both of these people were were their fame was brought about because of you know actual news, actual like people going out and doing news stories on them. Uh, you know, Gandhi more so with uh, a film and then later Mother Teresa in TV. You know, that's where these people were shown to the world. But they were only shown small snippets of them. One of the biggest issues of why we have this these views of these people that aren't true in the least. It's a very narrow lens shown that they were small... looked at through. What's that? Yeah, it's it's the lens. Yeah, it was a very narrow lens. And again, still done today. It, it's, you know, people in the news media, they they decide, they think they know best what people want to see. And it's, you know, in those cases, they wanted fluff. People wanted happiness. They wanted good times. And it is such an easy, low-hanging fruit to paint her as a saint rather than to like dig deep and fluff. challenge the Catholic Church. You know what I mean? Well, and it's editorial news. It's not factual news. And yeah. editorial news is what's factual an news? Awful thing. Well, <laughs> you 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 get my. But yes, the, I the, absolutely do. You get what it, I mean. It's the difference by that between is. an actual news story versus an opinion piece, is what it is. Well, not just yeah. that. Just the editorial news cannot even be an opinion piece, but it it, it does. It's not investigative journalism. It is Correct. exactly. It is. Here's a neat thing. You know, it's it's it's, it's like these you know, the here's stories. Here's this of, neat woman in the middle of Calcutta that's set up all these hospitals to to help poor people and yeah, the it's sick. fucking human interest stories. Yeah. Yep. That's exactly and it. And that's not real news. The real news is all of the other things that we didn't see. It's all of the stuff that came out after the fact. And the miracles, the first one was 1998. You know, the second one was in 2008. 2008, I'd say we finally actually had the internet. Uh, more, you know, closer to what we see today. But they still weren't huge stories. And then everything kind of quieted down. And then 2016, all of a sudden she's a saint. I think it does actually, now that I'm thinking about it, ties back to a lot of the, a lot of different episodes we've talked about, uh, you know, news media and critical thinking were tied heavily into this is you have to be able to process the information you're getting, look at it through an objective lens and look at outside sources. Don't accept the single source that's being put in front of you because Many times, oftentimes, it's wrong, incorrect, missing context. You always have Correct. to look at multiple sources. And you also have to, even especially today, you have to know how to verify sources independently. What's a trusted source? What's not? And even trusted sources have their own inherent biases. I mean, we mentioned several places like NPR, Reuters, uh, the Associated Press. We, the three of us use them regularly for, regularly for our information. But even then, we have to fact check them and make sure they've got it right because they're going to be in a rush to scoop just like everybody else is. They're going to get things wrong. Yeah. You have to look at these things through an objective lens and always question what's accepted. Now, that's within reason. 
Okay. If 97% of the world scientists say that global warming is a thing and man-made and we need to stop it. And the other 3% are on the payroll of companies that would be negatively affected financially of, you know, steps to combat, you know, global warming, then don't question, you shouldn't be questioning that and thinking that global warming is a myth. That's where you're just being a fucking idiot. You're not being critical, a critical thinker. You're being a goddamn moron. Yeah. You know, but you've got to be able to think of these things and look at things objectively and critically and don't accept what you're, what is drilled in your heads from day one, because that's the thing. A lot of the reason why I was religious for so long was because everyone just told me growing up, I was indoctrinated at a young age to think the Catholic faith was the one true faith out there. I was indoctrinated to think Mother Teresa was a fucking saint and doing wonderful works. And I actually, this is where I do think my parents is, you know, they never, as I got older, they just kind of stopped forcing me to go to church. Not that they stopped believing. It's just, you know, we got busy. They had things to do. They didn't want to fight about it. Like, fine, stay home, whatever. It's your soul. And that is what ended up saving me and allowing me to, you know, it happened at the age of reason where I was able to finally be like, oh, I should start looking at other ideas. And even then it took like another fucking 10 years before I was like, oh shit, I'm an atheist. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, that was long-winded, but I said all that to say this. Always question the established canon. Always think critically. Always look for legitimate other sources. Make sure you hear both sides of the story. And, and again, don't believe everything you hear. You know, just because somebody's you've grown up your entire life with people saying that Gandhi is is a great noble leader, ask why. Ask where yeah. they got that information from. Ask how they know yeah. that. What did he do? Yeah. What did he actually do? What did she actually do? Nothing. So um, I think it's time to uh, funnel some more slips out of the Vatican and uh, see what uh, fell into the mailbag. Uh, Let me check my sack. One second, guys. All right. So uh, the first one I thought was kind of cool. This is from a new listener, Tina Berry. This is from one of our MeWe listeners. Haven't heard from one of them in a while. Hi, Tina. So this is in response to our little uh, parenting deviation on the last episode, which, by the way, Ooh. I actually enjoyed. I am kind of thinking we need to do an episode on parenting in general. Uh, I think it'd be a good topic. I know it's not exactly political, but as Kay and I were talking before uh, we started this, you know, in a lot of ways it is. I think even that uh, the the spanking the kids falls very closely on political lines. I mean, I, I don't have any facts to back this up, but I, I think it'd be an interesting topic to cover down the road. That being said, Tina says, in response to part of your podcast, my kids are artistic, so I never could force them to eat specific foods because they were fully capable of starving themselves to death. Okay, this is in response to your comment mm-hmm. about yeah. uh, feeding them mac and cheese constantly. Uh, she says her son Aiden only wanted mac and cheese and chicken nuggets, the most revolting food on the face of the earth. He never would touch vegetables and he ate very little fruit. He continued that way and we gave him uh, multivitamins to make up for what he was missing. He is now 25, healthy and well-developed and survived, survived his bizarre diet. So parenting should not work. So parents should not worry. Just give them vitamins, which I don't necessarily agree with that entirely, but one of the things we were doing uh, when we were talking about that is we were generalizing. There's always outliers that aren't going to fit normal trends. Yeah. I, and don't get me wrong here. Um, I feel for anyone that has any type of extenuating circumstance that causes them to have to do certain things. But vitamins are not the answer. 
They are a tool that allows you to give your child the nutrients that they are not getting. And I understand that. Yeah. If you have that sort of circumstance in which you can't get them to eat anything uh, other than mac and cheese and chicken nuggets, I get it. Yeah. I'm not saying that this applies to everyone always in every situation. Mm-hmm. But in general, if you expose your children to lots of different foods, you're going to find things that they do and don't like. Now, you have a completely different situation, and you know I'm sympathetic to that. Yeah, exactly. I think you hit it around the head. When when you're forced between a choice of like, my kid's going to starve or let them eat that they want and find some other way to get them the nutrition they need, you're of course going to choose the latter every time because you're a parent who loves your child. Like, I get that. Yeah. I, and I, I wasn't saying to starve your children here. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was just expose your children to as much as possible. And most people will be surprised of what their children will actually like. Yeah. Uh, but I thought that was a fun one. We, we de- like I said, we deviated on that topic and I think it's one, a good one. I, I don't know. I might, I might put that out there to our listeners and see what they think. Uh, I, I don't know. What are you thinking, Chris? Uh, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't have much of an opinion on this one. Like <laughs> I don't have kids, nor did I ever run into this problem. Yeah. My opinion personally is that you are the only one with children on this podcast. Obviously, Chris and I don't have any, and for us to have that conversation but we're in the market, as an entire and right episode, now our bidding is about a hundred bucks. So if anybody's got a spare one, let us know. We're looking for oh, some no, fresh no. kidneys and I, I, I don't want any. They are expensive as shit. But I actually, I still think it'd be an interesting topic. But like, even just going into that, not just like child nutrition, but like you know things like body autonomy, spanking. Like we touched on that a little bit, but I think that'd be good. And also, I actually think it's a good thing that Kay doesn't want kids and is is comfortable enough to say that because in this day and age there's so much pressure yeah have also decided i'm never having kids yeah and again i didn't mean to single you out on that chris i was just because Kay was the one that just came out and said it and i didn't want yeah, to like oh, fair enough. Yeah, out for you, so. yeah the only, yeah. The only one on this podcast who wants children is matt yep 100 yeah. i really like matt's kid super great i'm really glad he had him i am also glad I only get the fun stuff. It's great. I, yeah. I, I am the proud uncle of three as well. Uh, my sister is the breeder and it's, it's been great. It's been wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a brother who has two beautiful little girls and they're absolutely wonderful. Love them. And I love being an uncle, but I get to give them back. And keep them <laughs> away from Mahatma Gandhi. Yeah. 100%. Also keep them away from Mahatma Gandhi. And Mother Teresa for that instance. Do we have anything else in the bag, Matt? Other one I wanted to kind of mention. Um, sorry, I'm throwing this at you last minute, Chris, but I didn't want to kind of mention. Hit me hard, uh, right in the so, face. So, <laughs> with your sack. To kind of reference a little bit about what we were going back and forth with listener Alex, we've been kind of referencing some of the things that he's brought up. Like he's been asking questions about socialism and kind today of. Today was brutal. Yeah, today was rough. Uh, just generally pitching, you know, questions to us. Mostly in the vein of trying to make capitalism not capitalism by introducing more socialism and less capitalism, but still calling it capitalism. Yeah, that that's still socialism. And so, yeah. and, but the reason I wanted to bring it up, and as brutal as that was, I I do believe when Alex asked these questions, they're, they're as rough completely as legitimate and and in, in good nature. Yeah. Well, yeah, they come they come from a place of 
actual up. wonder and and actual like interest in the conversation not and just uh here's a gotcha thing no, you know trying to, and, and to get a response with something you should feel free to challenge it like that's 100%. fair you, if i'm going to espouse a belief i cannot shield it from it being challenged by people that yeah. is totally fine and, and the reason i want thank you and i agree and, and the reason i wanted to bring it up in this shout out section is because he asked very good questions that I think a lot of people that are in the same boat as him have. I think there's a lot of people out there that are where Alex is at right now. They're, they're intrigued by these ideas being pitched by people like Bernie Sanders and AOC, which by the way, just for the record, not good representatives when it comes to socialism. They're great. They're representatives. Not socialists. Yeah, exactly. I know, but a lot of people think of them as, and, and, but like they're pitching ideas that are leading people down the road to, I think, start Googling what socialism is, start looking up these ideas, where they come from, what they mean. And I think a lot of people are, wondering is this do like rather than just brace socialism because there's such a stigma on it like i think alex is currently at they want to find this middle ground between socialism and capitalism and we touched on this a little bit last week but i want to hit on it again is for those listening there is not a middle ground there's a, a gradation there can be a a transition from one system to the other but it is legitimately a choice between one or the other. These are not compatible systems that you can just integrate seamlessly and everyone gets the best of the both worlds. Yes. And if your system includes starving children and homeless people, it's not a good system. Yeah. It, End of story. It, it, like it's, that's the marker we should all hit is, is if you're wondering, well, at what level can I merge the two? And it's like, do you still allow for homeless people? And do you still allow for anyone to go without food? Then it's not a good system. Yeah. It's not working because we've talked about this before is like, where's your baseline? Where are you starting? Eliminate political ideologies and, you know, uh, you know, social constructs and things like that. What is the world you want to live in for, for myself, Chris and Kay fully automated wanna, gay space, luxury communism, <laughs> or to simplify it a little more. We want a world where people have body autonomy, where poverty doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. Hunger doesn't uh -huh. exist. Uh -huh. War doesn't exist. And I think most people on those terms would agree with it. So the question becomes, how do we get there? If your answer in any way, shape or form is capitalism. No, that doesn't work. Like we've been doing capitalism for years. It's not working. We still have poverty. We are now producing enough to feed, clothe and house the world. And capitalism isn't letting that happen. In fact, it's doing the opposite and it's destroying the planet. But guillotines mm -hmm. are cheap to build. Very easy. Well, we do have a lumber shortage right now. No, lumber shortage was never actually a lumber shortage. Here's, but regardless, here's what you do, people. Go to your local junkyard. Get Invest in, in a smelter, okay? One of those furnaces that just heats things really hard. Invest Metal in a guillotines. smelter? I don't I clearly am privileged and don't know what things cost. Shut up. I was making a point. <laughs> build a guillotine. <laughs> build a guillotine a out of a junkyard car. <laughs> oh, Jesus. The point anyway, is you the goddamn rich. Okay, yeah, there you go. That, that is the point. And I, I wanted to say this, you know, special shout out to listener Alex and anyone that might be like him, you know, keep asking those questions. Don't feel like you can't ask them or you can't engage, especially with us. We like doing this all day long today. Myself, 
uh, Chris and other people in this private chat that we have were engaging with Alex and answering his questions and explaining them to him. And it got rough there a couple of times. I might have raised quit about three quarters of the way through it and laughed. Chris, Chris did. And others had to pick <laughs> up the I couldn't slack. hang. He couldn't. <laughs> but again, these are good conversations but I love you, Alex. to have. Yeah, absolutely. And so I'm going to use that, say that to say this. Keep reaching out to us, to our listeners. If you have questions, if they're personal questions for myself, care, Chris, about where we stand on a, on a particular news item, on a particular topic, send it in. If you disagree or agree with something we said and you want to give your take on it, send it in. The email address. What's that email address? Theoutleftpodcast at gmail.com. What's that again? I didn't write it down. It's theoutleftpodcast at gmail.com. Oh, hold on. I was, water- I, was, I was watering my fish. What was that again? Oh, not a problem at all. It's theoutleftpodcast at gmail.com. I appreciate learning that it's the alt left podcast at gmail.com. It is the alt left podcast at gmail.com. And you know what? Who's not a fan of the alt left podcast at gmail.com? Republican Ooh, pedophile, lot, Matt Gates. A lot of people who look like us. <laughs> <laughs> that too. That too. <laughs> but um, that is our listener driven episode on Gandhi and mother Teresa. I hope you enjoyed the kid fondling poor hurting rambling bastard expose that this was as much as we did because uh this was actually a hoot i liked it we should do it more often so you guys should definitely hop on to uh spotify and give us more likes and reviews and more subscriptions that's the big so now reviews are good we still want reviews because they pop up but subscriptions as soon as we hit 100 subscriptions on spotify you're doing another topic and it's whatever you want yeah yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And we'll come up with some more bonus stuff to do for you guys as well. You know, like I said, I'm still not, we're still not opposed to maybe doing some live events, maybe having one of you on as a guest, you know, things like that. So we'll kick it around and see what you guys think. Or we can keep with the theme of exposing bastards because man, would I love to do Abraham Lincoln and Susan B. Anthony. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Catholic Church in general, too, would be fun. I could talk about them forever. That's a a podcast onto itself. But thank you for being here, everybody. We appreciate you. We will be here next week filling your ear holes again with crunchy socialist goodness. And until then, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. And remember, the revolution is you.